It is good to be back in the house of the Lord this afternoon. Good to see each one of you here. And I mean that from the bottom of our hearts. See you here and be assembled. Let us not forget in the presence of the Lord. We want to continue this afternoon looking at our articles of faith or as some call them, our doctrinal statement. We're ready for our statement concerning the creation of the universe. We believe that the Genesis count of creation is to be accepted literally and not figuratively or allegorically. That God created man in his own image and not by or th through the process of evolution from the lower species. That all animals and vegetation life was likewise directly created and placed under God's inviolable law that they should bring forth only after their kind. And that is our statement concerning the creation of the universe. Now to tear that apart and give some scriptural evidences, some scriptural meat behind why we believe this. It was created, the Genesis account of creation is to be understood literally, not figuratively, not allegorically, but literally, as is stated in the book of Genesis. Turn with me to the book of Isaiah. The book of Isaiah, in chapter 28, Look with me here at verse 10. Isaiah chapter 28 and verse 10. And this is important. Whether we're studying the first chapter of Genesis or whether we're studying in the book of Ezekiel or whether we're studying in Revelation, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, or Romans. Isaiah 28, verse 10 states, For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, and there a little. 
That's the way we read the Word of God. That is the way we are to study the Word of God. That is the way we are to think of the Word of God. The process is about context. The context demands those areas where where it is talking in a figurative sense, those areas where it's talking in an allegorical sense, the context denotes that. And if the context is literal, it doesn't change halfway through the context into an allegory. It is to be understood literally. And so it is with the Genesis account. Turn with me back to the 8th chapter of the book of Isaiah. The 8th chapter. And look with me at verse 20. To the law and to the testimony. What is Genesis account? What is it? The first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, are known as the Pentateuch. They're known as the law or the book of Moses. But it's the law, to the law and to the testimony. If they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. telling us about the evolutionists. What is it that's telling us? It's telling us if they speak not according to the Genesis account of creation, line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little, <laughs> There's no light in them. They have no truth in them. They have no light. They have not the light of Jesus Christ in them. They have not faith. Take you back to the book of Hebrews. And I know you know this passage of Scripture. The book of Hebrews in chapter 11. Verse 3. Faith, true faith, true faith, and, and we could go off into a message on true faith and and, and true faith, how that true faith is obedient. True faith also brings with it repentance, repentance of our sin toward God, and trust, faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and His shed blood. For the righteousness of God. Through faith we understand. We know. We understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. <laughs> you see, we understand these things basically from the first chapter and second chapter of Genesis because of faith. Our faith. 
So let us turn to the book of Genesis. In chapter 1, And look with me at verse 5. And you would be amazed. I would be amazed. However, not so surprised as some of you might. At the number of folks sitting in our Baptist churches today, that have bought in to the billions of years, millions of years, as to the age of the earth, because they've listened to the evolutionists. Evolution is no longer taught as a theory in our schools, in our places of higher learning. Evolution is taught as the fact. It used to be, when my kids were going to school, that they would teach them alongside one another. The Genesis account and the evolution account. They present them as theories. You can believe this theory or you can believe this theory. Now they've wiped out the Bible account no longer mention that at all to my understanding that's what's in our educational system today I believe it because look where our educational system has gone with with the woke and the CRT woke wanting to teach five-year-olds that it's okay if you if you're a boy and you want to be a girl, you can be a girl. And if you're a girl and you want to be a boy, it's okay, you can be a boy a boy. Well no, you can't. Amen. You can't change what God has made you. Amen. You are what you are. God determined that oh yes for years and I I know the years behind it you know uh, the the male the male determines what sex the baby's going to be but but he has no idea God determines it God is the one that causes the seed of man to fertilize the seed of woman and become a male or a female and if God doesn't cause the seed of man to fertilize the seed of woman, you'll have no baby born. Amen. And as you all know, my wife and I learned that the hard way. And we had to submit to God. We don't, we don't, we, you know, we did like most young couples when you get married, you know, you got it all planned out. You're going to have three children and you're going to have them, you're going to space them about a year and a half to two years apart. And, you got it all planned out. Well, if it's not according to God's plan, it don't work out that way. Yeah. 
God gives them when he's ready and not according to man's plans and thought. Genesis 1 and verse 5. And this is one of the errors that come in and because of evolution. And God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. Verse 8. And God called the firmament heaven, and the evening and the morning were the second day. Look with me at verse 31. Skipping over, we, we won't go down through all these, but verse 31. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good, and the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Everything that he created on that day there, in the sixth day, the four-footed beasts and things that roam upon the earth, and man upright to walk on two legs, was on the sixth day. Thus, the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them, and on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because that in it he had rested from all his work which God created and made. We have here in this account, contrary to the evolutionists, contrary to the gap theory, and you understand the gap theory came about to, to, to uh, reconcile the evolution account and creation account. They couldn't explain what they thought perceived to be a gap between verse 1 and what we have taking place next. If you read this, precept upon precept, line upon line, here a little, there a little, you see that everything mentioned in verse 1, in verse 2, verse 3, verse 4, verse 5, was the first day Evening and morning were the first day. And it occurred to me in study of this, again, that it's where the Jewish 
get beginning their day. They begin at the evening, 12-hour period, the morning, 12-hour period, the evening and the morning. They begin their day at 6 o'clock. And then their day begins at 6 a.m. and ends at 6 p.m. the next day begins, evening and morning. But that's neither here nor there. Because they perceive a gap, it allows them to, to present millions of years, billions of years between the beginning when God created the heaven and the earth. Created the heaven and the earth, and then he just left it go for a million, billion years. Their, their system of the fossil record and their carbon dating is flawed. But if you and I will keep in mind that the fossil record is a picture to us that God judges sin. God judges sin. The fossils were created in the cataclysmic flood. They say some in this gap between verses 1 and 2 there was some great cataclysm that happened. Well, what does a cataclysm, what does a catastrophe signify? It signifies the judgment of God. The judgment of God upon sin. But there was none here. There was no man here. It was before man was created. So there was no sin. So what was God judging? Turn with me to the book of Exodus. The book of Exodus in chapter 20. In verse 8. Again, precept upon precept, line upon line, here a little, there a little. You see, you got the immediate context, you got the broader context, and you got the context of the whole word. In this case, we're still in the law. In the testimony of the law. Exodus chapter 20, and look with me at verse 8. God says to Israel, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Back in chapter 2, in verse 2, God rested on the seventh day. Verse 3, He sanctified the day. He set it apart as holy unto Himself. Remember the Sabbath day, that seventh day. Six days, man can labor and do all his labor. The seventh day was a day of rest. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. 
seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou nor thy sons, nor thy daughters, thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. The Israelite and you and I reading this now, we understand that six literal 24-hour days. There's not, there's not a man on the face of the earth that would disagree with that. We live it every day. Seven days a week. 24 hours a day. Verse 11. In six days, the Lord made heaven and earth and sea and all that in them is and rested the seventh day. Wherefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. How many days and how many hours? Seven days, 24 hours each day. Six days of creation, one day of rest, 24-hour period. Not a million years or a billion years, but six 24-hour days and the seventh day, seven days to a week, he rested from all his labor. figurative the immediate context is not hard to understand not to my mind but I guess to some Christians some profess to be Baptists think well there may have been a gap there we, we got to buy into that gap theory well not if you reason it out not if you compare scripture with scripture how about Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11, which is a commentary on Genesis chapter 1 and the number of days and hours of creation. We go on to say that God created man in his own image, and not by or through the process of evolution from the lower species. Well, let's go back to Genesis. In chapter 1, to the creation chapter, we've already established that there were seven days to a week, and six of those days, he created the heavens and the earth. Verse 26 of this first chapter. Verse 26 and 27. Still in the sixth day after creating the 
animal life, the creeping uh, thing that creepeth upon the earth. Verse 26, and God said, let us, oh, did God have someone he was counseling with? No. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Right there. Plural. Plurality. One God. But plural in personality. And God said, let's make man in our own image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he Male and female created he them. Chapter 2, verse 7. And the Lord God formed man. This is a, a going more into detail of how he made man in his image. And the Lord and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Now let me tell you something here concerning man. You've probably seen it already in the first chapter. What other of his creation did he make in his image? Any... Any beast in the waters? Any of the whales? Anything in the waters? Did it say anything of that which is in the waters being made in his image? Did it say that about anything in the air that flies in the air being made in his image? Did he say that about any creeping animal that creepeth upon earth being made in his image? What does it be, mean to be made in the image of God? What is God? <laughs> Who's God? He's eternal. In the beginning, God. That's all there was. God. Nothing else. He's eternal. We read many places in the Bible and in the book of the Revelation about He's eternal. He's from beginning to end. He, he's infinite. Now man is finite as far as this body. God is eternal. Do you know that man, when man is created, when, man, when he made Adam... He made him an eternal being? That is his soul. Every man from the day of creation, from the day 
that, that he had formed and, and made has an eternal soul. That soul is either going to live eternally with the Lord Jesus Christ, or it's going to live eternally in the fire. We were created eternal souls in the resurrection. The first resurrection. First resurrection is the blessed resurrection. And blessed are those who are partakers in the first resurrection because they are in Christ. And their bodies are going to be resurrected, fitted, prepared anew. You see, these bodies now are, are only prepared for this earth. But when they come forth from the grave, they're going to, or from the sea, or from ashes, when they come forth, they're going to be fitted for eternal glory with the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to have a body like a glorious body. Now, those who die without Christ don't think that their bodies are not going to be resurrected. Their soul is living in, in, in a place of constant torment now. It's not purgatory. It's called hell. But one day their bodies, the second resurrection, you can read it in the book of Revelation chapter 20. Their bodies are going to be resurrected and their bodies are going to be fitted for eternal destruction in the lake of fire where they'll burn forever and ever. The worm will not die and the flame will not consume it. Fire will not be quenched. That's what it means to be created in the image of God. We were created, some say, with a three part body and spirit. Animals are created. Your little dog, your little, your little cat, whatever it is that you love. And you take comfort in it at home. They have a soul too. But when it dies, it's, it's done. The Bible talks about it goes back to the earth. But the old man goes upward to God. To he that gave it. Turn with me to the book of Psalms. Psalms chapter 139 and back years ago <laughs> reading studying as reading studying this psalm <laughs> oh it just it just blessed me so but for the sake of time we'll just look at 
the verse 14. Verse 14 says of Psalms 139, I will praise thee. He's going to praise, praise God. He's going to praise the one who, who knows his thoughts are far off. The one who knows his uprising and his downsetting. The one who even in the grave with him. He says, I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made, marvelous for thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. Listen, man is made highest of God's creation. They, they were made to be, man was made to be Lord over the rest of God's creation. Not to, not to use it, but to be Lord over it. To be master over it. We were created a rational being. Created to think and to reason. And in the beginning, to obey God. But we fell into disobedience. Everyone born was created in the likeness of their father Adam. That is, with a sin nature. And as we grow as children, we begin to manifest that. We begin to manifest that disobedience toward our parents. And toward God as well. Turn with me to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 64. And verse Verse 8. But now, O Lord, Thou art our Father. We are the clay. And Thou art potter. And we all are the work of Thy hand. That can be said of every man. We're the handiwork of the Almighty Creator God. But that's said in a real and special sense of we that are His people. You see, in our original existence as men upon the God was our creator father. But oh, praise God. He became my savior. 
Jesus Christ. I'm a monument of his handiwork. Handiwork of grace. Thank God for that. Each and every one of us that are his ought to thank him for that. But as the potter, consider the potter. Not only here, but other places in the Word of God. In the book of Jeremiah, in the New Testament, Romans chapter 9, it draws us to the, the thought of the potter. And the potter takes a lump of clay, and he makes that lump of clay into something special of his choosing. of that which he desires, of that which he wills. Whatever that may be. In the book of Romans, we're, we're told that, that he, the potter, our father, creator father, he made one lump of clay unto honor. He made another unto dishonor. Don't take away from that the likeness that well God made made man to sin then. No, God didn't make man to sin. Man willingly disobeyed God. Man willingly went contrary to the law of God. Followed his own desire, his own passions. He, praise God, because I was in his mind, and he loved me. I don't know why he loved me. I, I really don't. He, he knew that I was going to be as every other man upon the face of the earth, that I was going to be vile and wicked and, and contrary to him, and, and that I was going to follow my own desires and wills and passions, and not his. But he loved me. And because he loved me, he chose me to be his. To be one of his. To give me life. And so, when I was born, I grew for a time and manifested just exactly what God knew about me. That I was going to be as every other man upon the face of the earth. I was going to be vile and wicked and, and against God. And even, even the good which man perceives that I did by going to church, by teaching Sunday school, by leading singing, it was all for this guy. <laughs> because God loved me and chose me. One day, 
He awakened me. He gave me life. I saw my sin. He gave me repentance. He gave me faith to believe that the Lord Jesus Christ died, shed his blood, so that I might have I, self-born, vile, wicked, wretched, man that I am, might have everlasting life. Praise God for the gift of His Son. Praise God for the gift of repentance and faith in Him. Well, I've added a little more to this than than a thought to. We'll leave this for next week. <laughs> Got one more thought concerning creation, but but uh, several scriptures that I want to look at in regard to it. Concerning, he placed all of his creation under his inviolable law should bring forth only only after their kind we'll take a look at that next week